Jesus was the perfect example in every single thing. Everything Jesus did as a man was perfect. His example is perfect. How he treated people is a perfect example. Uh, How he prayed, how he walked with the Father, how he lived his life and conducted his life in the fullness of the Holy Spirit is a perfect example. But when you ask the question, how did Jesus treat his mama? That's an interesting study. There were multiple times that the scripture reveals that Jesus interacted with Mary. We know that he did all of his life, all of the 33 years that he lived. But there's something special about the times when Jesus, and it's recorded in scripture for us, the times Jesus addressed his mom, publicly uh, uh, exchanged words with her. All of you who've ever played ball of any kind, whether it be baseball, football, basketball, soccer, whatever, any type of sporting event as you were growing up, I'm sure if you played much ball at all, there were times when you got hurt, you took a tumble, a spill, you got hit by a wild pitch, that errant hop on the ground ball, Instead of hitting your glove, it hits you in the face. Getting kicked by the soccer ball. Getting tripped in basketball. Getting tackled very hard in football. Not getting back up. Not jumping up to your feet. And as every mom in this room knows, if your youngin is out there on the field or on the court, and they take that spill, They take that hit, they fall, and you see it instantaneously even before they hit the ground. Something rises up in you, doesn't it? And you're sitting on G waiting on O. And your husband has to say, hold up, he's good. Sometimes, especially a young man, because they know how moms are, they may even be laying on the ground with their coach and the umpire or the opposing coach standing over them. And if they can utter something, the first words out of their mouth probably are going to be, look, tell mama I'm okay. Tell her not to come out here on the field. Don't let her leave the stands. I'm all right. And they stand up. They might even be gasping for breath. They look over where? Where's the first place they look? They look toward mama. I'm okay. I'm all right. Don't embarrass me. (laughs) I'm good. I'm good, mom. Jesus was 100% God. But he was 100% man. And as 100% man, he had a mama that loved him 
just as much as you love yours. And there's no way in this world we can only imagine, I'll say it that way, we can only imagine what Mary felt as she stood here in John 19. And it's very interesting to me that of the ones Jesus chose to address and of the seven statements he chose to make, that one of the seven he chose to address his mother. And it wasn't just to let her know that everything was going to be okay. It was so that she would know, Mom, you're going to be okay. I'm going to take care of you, Mama. I'm going to make sure you're taken care of. It's highly likely that certainly by this time, Mary is a widow. The Bible never says what happened to Joseph. But after in Luke 2 where it shows Jesus there as a 12-year-old young man in the temple, we know that Joseph, his stepfather, now remember, remember gang, Joseph was not Jesus' daddy. God the Father was Jesus' daddy. Joseph was Jesus' stepfather, or foster father, we would say, stepfather. Kudos to Joseph, by the way. We don't have time to talk this morning about the virtues of that righteous man. That's what the scripture calls him, that hardworking, faithful, pure man of integrity. Who I believe with all my heart, he raised Jesus and trained Jesus and mentored and shepherded the heart of Jesus like he would had it been his own child, his own biological son. But it wasn't. Joseph knew. He knew he had been handpicked by the father to be the stepfather, the surrogate father, if I could say it that way, in the sense of parenting and molding and shepherding. He, he knew and Mary knew who Jesus' father was. But the last time we see Joseph, is when Jesus was 12. And from that point on, there's not one other word mentioned about Joseph except for the fact that one time Jesus' antagonizers threw out that accusation and they were very dismissive of Jesus. And they said, oh, yeah, we don't need to listen to him. We don't need to follow him because that's Joseph's boy. No, 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 he wasn't Joseph's boy. He was God in the flesh. 100% God, 100% man. Mary was a widow. Don't know how long she had been a widow. In fact, we're not told, the scripture doesn't tell us, that any other of Jesus' siblings, and he had brothers, multiple brothers and multiple sisters, we don't know where they were. It is doubtful that they were there at the cross. In fact, I believe the scriptures would have pointed it out had his siblings been there. But Mary was there. Wild horses couldn't have drugged her away from this scene. 
And every mother in this room understands. She was, he was, in every sense of the word, still, and every mama believes this about theirs, still their baby. He was ultra, ultra special for a thousand and one reasons. (laughs) He was her firstborn. And if there ever was a moment since he had entered this world in Bethlehem that she thought maybe he might need me, surely it was this day. Every mom knows what it is to see their child enter the world. But no mom is ever prepared for the day that you have to see your baby leave this world. And Mary did. But the interesting thing is that she knew this day was coming. She knew it was going to happen. Maybe not identically just like this, but she knew it was coming. It was predicted. It was foretold by the prophets. In fact, the angels even made it clear that Jesus Christ would be the Savior. She understood what that meant. She understood the Messianic prophecies. She was a Jewish woman. She had been raised and taught the Hebrew Scriptures. She knew that the Messiah, and she knew that Jesus was going to be the Messiah. She knew the Messiah was going to die. In fact, his death was even plainly foretold to her by Simeon. When Joseph and Mary took Jesus in Luke chapter 2 verse 35, they took Jesus into the temple to dedicate him. Simeon meets them and here's what Simeon says. He prophesied that this very moment would arrive and he said in Luke 2 35, Yea, a sword, Mary, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul. And on that Friday, standing there, Beholding her son. That sword was mighty painful. And Jesus uttered these words. In fact, I want you to look at John 19, 25. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother, and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Cleopas, and Mary Magdalene. I want you to notice today what I call, first of all, the devotion of a mother. The devotion of a mother. Mary was there along with her sister. And some scholars say that this was perhaps Salome, the mother of James and John, the sons of Zebedee. And they say that it is very highly possible that not only was Jesus the cousin to John the Baptist, but Jesus perhaps was cousin to John and James, the sons of Zebedee. She's there with Mary, the wife of Cleophas, who also is the mother of the disciple James the Less. And she's there with Mary Magdalene. And while there were others who were close to Christ, those who were sympathetic to Jesus, 
these were primarily the ladies that were there. And then we know that John was there. But don't let it go without being recognized, listen carefully, that Mary was there. She was. As painful as this was for her to witness and watch, she was there. She didn't retreat. She didn't go hide in her own little shell, even though perhaps in some way that might have been easier for her. Nobody wants to watch their child, much less their firstborn son, die. You know why she was there? Because she believed that was her place. That's where she should have been. She was there when that baby came into this world, and she was going to be there when he left. In his darkest earthly moment, she was there. One writer said, it is true that Mary had faith, but also she bears the pain of a mother's soul. The Bible is silent on what Mary may have said during those hours of crucifixion. It's very well that she may not have perhaps even uttered a word. I'm sure that she sobbed and wept and mourned. And I believe that she was completely fully aware that this was all part of God's plan. She knew who her firstborn was. She knew his destiny. She knew that he was God in the flesh, the Messiah. She knew he was the Son of God. But on the other hand, she knew that he was her son as well. She was the first one to plant a kiss on his infant head, now pierced with a crown of thorns. A.W. Pink, that Bible scholar, said, and I love this quote, His disciples may desert him. His friends may forsake him. His nation may despise him. But his mother stands there at the foot of the cross. And you understand that every word of God is there on purpose. It says that she is there standing by the cross. She's not kneeling. She's not fainting. She's not sitting down. She stood there. In composure. She knew this was his destiny. But she stood there with a broken heart. She was helpless to do anything to relieve the suffering of her son. She knew this was God's plan. And as painful as it was for her to witness, she was where she ought to have been. You see, there's a lesson here for all of us, but especially mothers. Especially those this morning that find themselves in a difficult place in God's sovereign plan. And yet you are where you're supposed to be. You're doing what you're supposed to be doing. You're faithful. You're trusting God even though you're in a difficult season. You don't have the answers. You don't know all the reasons why. You just know you're in a difficult spot. You feel pressure to throw in the towel. You feel pressure to retreat. You feel pressure not to stay faithful and not to be diligent and not to be true and not to be kind. You feel that temptation and pressure. You're in a difficult spot, difficult season. But I want to tell you this this morning, that wherever you are right now, 
you are not abandoned by God. As difficult a season as you may be in, I'm talking to a mother today, and even in your parenting, you may even be uh, uh, rela- parenting adult children, and, 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 and your role uh, is diminishing in their life, and, and, and yet there's a situation, there's a strain there in that relationship. It's a difficult season. Maybe you're here this morning as a mom or a dad or a grandparent and you're watching your children make some very awful choices. And you know all you can do is step back and watch and pray and trust God for the outcome. You're in a difficult season. You're tempted to get angry, to throw in the towel, to just throw your hands up and say, well, fooey on them. Let them do what they want to do. Some of you are in a difficult season as a child. Watching an aging parent. Watching the health of your parent deteriorate. You're watching the beginning stages of dementia Take over and come on. And, and, and you're, you're watching your parents suffer with a debilitating disease or cancer or some other type of medical issue. And it seems like that every time they call, it's always something different. It's a new symptom or it's that they've digressed even more. You're in a difficult spot in a difficult season. And you wonder if the Lord knows what you're going through right now. And I want to say to you, He does. God the Father was not asleep. You know God the Father was not asleep here at the crucifixion scene. Mary knew this was part of God's plan, as hard and as difficult as it was. I want you to know something this morning, and I may not have even touched on or addressed the exact situation that you find yourself in. She was where she was supposed to be. Are you? You see, I know it's easy in a difficult season, in a difficult spot. It's easy to get disgruntled in your spirit. The most difficult thing you may do is to maintain your own sweetness and kindness. You're the one that got the raw end of the deal. You're the one that got shafted. You're the one who nobody's thinking about. You're the one who, who, and you're just, you're trusting God. You're trusting the God who knows and the God who alone has the power to do what needs to be done. We see the devotion of of his mother. But I want you to notice secondly what I call the honor of a son. Jesus honored her by being chiefly concerned for her needs and for her well-being and by making sure that her needs were taken care of. Notice what he says here. When Jesus therefore saw, verse 26, when Jesus saw his mother and the disciple standing by whom he loved, that's a direct reference to John the Apostle, he, Jesus, saith unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Now, ladies and gentlemen, don't let the term woman throw you off. Please don't interpret that as Jesus being catty towards his mother. I promise you he is not. Here is the perfect son of God setting an example of what honoring your mother looks like in his dying breath. 
He, Jesus, is the personification of Exodus 20 verse 12 that tells us to honor our father and mother. It is interesting that in the Bible, the scripture never shows us that Jesus ever addressed Mary as mother. Here in the text, he addressed her as woman. Just as he had had done in John chapter 2. And listen gang, he's certainly not being disrespectful of her at all. In fact, Adam Clark said, and I quote the term, man and woman were titles of as much respect among the Hebrews as sir and ma'am are among us. Jesus was not being disrespectful at all. He was being very direct with her. Saying, mom, mother, woman, ma'am, here is your new son. Here is John, and John is going to take care of you, and John is going to meet your needs, and John is going to make sure that everything you need is taken care of. Proverbs 23, 22 says, Despise not thy mother when she is old. In other words, don't disrespect your mother even in old age. Don't think that just because you're an adult and she's an adult that may ask you 25,000 questions in one 10-minute segment. Don't think you have the right. Are you hearing me this morning? Don't think you have the right to be disrespectful or to dishonor them in any way. You're like the preacher. Come on now. You, you, you. I, I, I don't have to. I don't have to obey. I don't have. No, you may not have to obey your parents when you're an adult. You're no longer under their jurisdiction. But we are always obligated to honor our parents all through life. There's no restriction on age there. Yeah, but preacher, you just don't understand. You just don't understand my parents. You just, no, no. God says don't despise, don't disrespect your elderly parents, especially your mother. Be careful. Can I say it this way as we would say it in 2018? Tread lightly. It's never right. It's never right to dismiss your parents. It's never right to disrespect them. It's never right to be hasty and to be catty with them and to be short with them. Yeah, but they're so frustrated. wonder if they ever felt frustrated with us. Yeah, but I tell you what, it's almost like they're reverting back to childhood. Yes, and who was there for us in our childhood? God says, don't you dare disrespect your parents or your elderly parents, especially your mother. In fact, you keep reading the book of Proverbs, and it is very clear, crystal clear. It says that the eye, that you better be careful even about your body language and your facial expression. 
It says that the eye that mocks their mother. You say, what is that? That means rolling the eyes. Now, you've seen your teenager do that, haven't you? Do you ever do that to your parents? Well, I can do that. I'm an adult. No, God says you better not do that. You better be careful. Here's a lesson in honoring parents, especially our mothers. And I know who I'm talking to this morning. Okay? I know that many of us, because we have an aging congregation, I know many of us who we say we're middle age. We're, we're, I, I know what it is. I've been there dealing with elderly parents. And I know at times how you can feel like, oh, I just don't understand. I just wish they... There's a lesson for us. In all seasons of life, even when in adulthood, it becomes more difficult to try to do that for any number of reasons. And it could be distance between you. You live here, they live there. The older they get, the more they require constant care. Busy schedules prohibit that sometimes. I'm just so busy. I'm busy. I tell you what, one day I'm going to get around to it. I'm going to get around to making that trip. I'm going to get around to go see them in the assisted living facility. I'm going to get around to making that phone call. Yeah, I'm going I'm to get around one day to go to the doctor with them and hear what he has to say. It could be resentment and bitterness, conflict with them. I'm looking at some folks this morning. And you're letting things that took place 40 years ago rob you of a relationship with your parents even today. And can I say this in love? You know what it's time to do? It's time to let it go. Can I get an amen in the room today? It's time to let it go. Because I promise you this, as somebody who has stood there, the day is coming when you will, if Jesus tarries, you will see their body in a casket and you will be standing at the cemetery and you will not get another chance this side of the grave this side of eternity to address or speak to them or hug them or talk to them anymore and I promise you you want them to die knowing that everything's okay between you Stop living with regret and deal with it, whatever it is. There's some folks in our culture that something happened decades ago and they, 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 they won't even let their kids see their parents, the kids' grandkids, because of anger and bitterness and wrath and grudges. God said it's time to let it go. Please allow me to say a few things here in closing. Hey, stay in contact with your parents, your mother. Look, you're like, show me that in the Bible. I'm showing you the example of the Son of God. Show me where I have to call her. I didn't say that. I'm just telling you. The example of Christ is you stay in contact.
verbally and personally. I know some good men. I know some good men, some men that love Jesus, but they have parents in a nursing home, a rest home, that live in another city or another town. Listen, don't let it be that you only go once every 10 years and see your mom and daddy. Well, I'm busy. I know. So is everybody else. I know that. Don't let it be. I promise you, I, I promise you, you're not honoring God or honoring them by that. Remove any bitterness and resentment toward your family members, even siblings. Hey, every time you pick up the phone and call your mom or your dad and fuss and complain and stew about your brother or your sister, just remember that they are, your sister and your brother is also a child of the one you're talking to. And it grieves your parent when there's conflict between siblings and children. Be careful. Don't, don't, don't be the disseminator of discord. Don't be the sower of discord even in your biological family. Seek to bless your mother every chance you can. I'm not. I, I, look, I didn't say worship her. I didn't say replace uh, uh, the veneration that you're supposed to have for your wife with veneration for your mother. I didn't say that at all, but you understand what I mean. You honor your folks. You honor your parents. No, they're not your wife or your husband, but they're still your parents, and we're still obligated to honor them. Remember that you only have one mama in this world. And one day may be too late. Well, one day I'm going to do what you can while you can. And then maybe the biggest thing you can do to bless your mama. You say, my mama's deceased. The biggest thing you can do to bless your mama. Are you listening? I promise you wherever your mama is right now. In eternity, if she were standing right here, she'd look at you in the face and say, get right with God and love Jesus and do right and stop holding grudges and love your family and get your priorities in line. And quit living for the almighty dollar. Because one day she would say, you're going to be where I am. Living somewhere forever. I remind you today that Mary, the mother of Jesus, was not perfect. She too needed a savior. She needed her son, who was the savior of the world. Just like you. You need to trust in the same savior that she trusted in. And called on the same God that she called on. I close with this today. The last thing we see is the faithfulness of a friend. 
It's interesting in verse 27 what the Bible says. Then saith he to the disciple, Behold thy mother. He said to John, Here's your mom now. I want you to take care of her. And from that hour, that disciple, John, took her unto his own home. Jesus calls on John to take over the responsibility of caring for Mary, which he dutifully embraces. Some say Mary lived with John at Jerusalem 11 years and then died. Others say, however, that she went with him all the way to Ephesus, and that's where she died. We don't know, but here's what we do know. Jesus knew that he could count on John. Can he count on me? Can Jesus count on you? Can he count on you to do right? Can he count on you to be faithful? Can he count on you to step up and to make church and his house a priority? Can he count on you? Hey, men, can he count on you to be men of integrity and purity and be morally, physically, and mentally pure? Can he count on you to be good stewards financially and to pay your bills? Can he count on you? Can he count on you to witness? Can he count on you to pray? Can he count on you every day to get in his word? Can Jesus count on me? And can he really count on you? I don't know what you need today. There's some precious ones sitting right here in this room. And the greatest need of your life is to trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You can do that right now. I'm talking to scores of us. And there's conflict between family members. And you, you can't control anybody else but you. You can't. But you know what God's leading you to do today. Maybe he's leading you to make that phone call. Maybe he's leading you to make that visit. Maybe he's leading you to send that email or send that text or write that letter. I don't know. But you do. Maybe today you find yourself, like Mary, in a difficult spot. You know it's according to God's plan and that God's sovereign, but you're still struggling. Would you come and talk to the Lord about it today? And you're here this morning, and God spoke to your heart. Because when you ask yourself honestly, can Jesus really count on me? The answer that the Holy Spirit gives is, no, he cannot. I'm glad to tell you, you can change that this morning. You can be somebody that God can count on. Starting today.